Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Hi, it's kind of warm out today. I was sitting outside earlier, which I was very excited about. And then, and then of course, the neighbor starts drilling like, <laughs> and the leaf blowers. It's just, oh, can well, I that just. That means it's like, summer though, right? Oh, it just means I have really annoying new neighbors. <laughs> they just bought the house last year and it's just like enough with the bright lights and the screaming at the landscapers and the yappy dog. And we knew we should have bought that lot when we had the chance. Ah, the sounds of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Get off my lawn, as you like to say. <laughs> anyway, so here we are again. This was an interesting week of news, kind of some surprises this week. Today, we're going to talk about Bay Street Theater and the proposed new theater that they're looking to build in Sag Harbor. But before we do that, let's say who everybody is so we all know. And on the record button this week is Bill Sutton after a week off. Howie, Bill. How are you? Hi, Annette. I'm really good. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. Yes, you still are. That's great. Yeah. And we have uh, Georgie Catherine Manu here. Hi, Georgie. Hey, Annette. I'm Catherine Manu, sometimes known as Georgie to my friends, and I am the publisher of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the Arts and Living Editor. And also joining us this week is Steve Coates. And Steve is our uh, senior reporter. Is that what we call him? Does he have a title? Who are you? I, I don't think I have a title. I think I'm just a reporter. I'm Stephen Coates, and I'm just a re- I'm just a reporter. No such thing as just a reporter. As soon as you're <laughs> eligible for your social security, we'll make you a senior reporter. Right. <laughs> I I think I am eligible for social security. Well, there you go. So the title fits. So. So we invited Steve on today because um, Steve's been covering the Bay Street Theater expansion and well, their desire to expand. So in a nutshell, basically Bay Street Theater has been operating out of the same space on um, Long Wharf in Sag Harbor for close to 30 years now. And uh, the downside is it's been a rented space for them. So there's always been a little bit of a insecurity as far as their future. For a long time, they've been wanting to build their own facility so they have a little bit more control over their future. So Steve, do you want to jump in about what we're seeing this week and what they unveiled on Tuesday? Uh, As everyone knows, uh, uh, Friends of Bay Street, a group that was a a not-for-profit group that was created to find a location, raise money, and build, design and build a a permanent home for Bay Street, purchased Water Street Shops, home of the 7-Eleven, and the plan is for that building to be torn down and replaced with a, a, a building designed by Roger Ferris Partners, an architecture firm based in Connecticut, uh, a, a firm that has done quite a few houses on the East End, by the way. It's also done, I think as a point of reference, they've done uh, the addition to the Topping Rose House in Bridgehampton, uh, sort of a very modern box-like uh, uh, um, a hotel portion of that of that uh, development, and they did the um, clubhouse at the Bridge Golf Club. So you have a. First of all, you, these are just renderings. Of, these are not final drawings by any any stretch of the imagination, but you have a barn-like building. It's got two 
sort of traditional barn-like uh, uh, portions of the building um, with a third sort of a semi uh, a gabled end, which is when you first look at it, it looks like three large gabled ends sort of joined together. Um, it's wooden sided with a really interesting sort of slat work like or lath almost type of, of, of wood that is allows the, the light to come through. Um, you know, so it's a it's a it's a pretty imposing structure. Kind of like Parish Art Museum, right? Kind of like the potato barn kind of kind of well, structure long. Kind of feel as stark as the Parish Art Museum, though. It yeah. has a warmer, well, much warmer. You know, I, I, I think the parish and I, and I happen, I like the parish, I, I, but I think the parish is a much, it's a, it's a much more hulking because it's, because it's made out of concrete or, or you know, poured mm -hmm. cement, whatever. It's a much more hulking potato barn looking structure. Mm -hmm. This is much, much airier looking uh, from the renderings, but it's hard to understand how that's going to play when you're standing next yeah. to it or driving by it on the street. We, we, we were shown a, a, a approximately about a seven or eight minute long video where they where they showed various you know the mock-ups of what the interior will look like and what various portions of it will look at but it's gonna it's gonna take a little time you get, we're gonna have to see more more models and things yeah so I mean the way that it was described in the video too is you know like C was saying it it kind of looks like from the exterior like it's three buildings almost that are connected but really it's really like one central building and the outer portions of the structure, you're meant to kind of be able to see through it to the water. And this was in an effort to pr protect waterfront view sheds in Sag Harbor. Anybody who has followed waterfront development in Sag Harbor knows that we love our waterfront view sheds and don't you dare disrupt them. And so this was one of the solutions to that. But like Steve said, I mean, this proposal has not been submitted to a village board yet for review. Um, as any developer who's done anything massive in Sag Harbor knows, what usually goes into the village board changes pretty significantly over the course of review through your architectural review board, your Harbor committee, your planning board. I assume they're gonna need zoning board approval. Um, so, you know, this is the beginning snapshot just to give people a taste of what the new Bay Street Theater is supposed to look like. You know what struck me about it though? It seemed to me that unlike a lot of projects we've seen come into Sac Harbor, where you have designers and architects that have no clue what the vernacular of the village is. I feel like this this at least feels like they were really considering what they knew they were up against. Now, whether or not, like you said, whether it sticks or not, um, it at least feels like there's some relationship to what they know those boards are gonna be looking at. And I don't know if that's accurate or not, but um, but I actually thought it was kind of cool myself. Like I thought it was really pretty, pretty interesting and pretty sensitive to what they you know usually come up with on their first go around and, and i think we should jump ahead to uh to a second piece of this puzzle which i think is really yeah. key and that mm -hmm. is that uh the friends of bay street theater announced that they are in con or i'm sorry in, in discussions to purchase uh two main street which is the building that's home to k pasta espresso uh yummy licious and they want to tear that building down and they want to add it to uh steinbeck waterfront park and I think when you when you see the the renderings, the elevator, uh, the, uh, there's a bird's eye view they showed. Um, 
that shows that whole park-like setting, that's a big part of the puzzle here. And of course, that deal's not done yet. There's an, a couple other things. I mean, there's, there's no parking shown on site, although according to the village, at least Friends of Bay Street have won the the auction for the uh, national grid lot across the street. So they will have parking there. But And yeah, and that's a lease for the national grid lot, which the village has leased for some time now since that property was remediated. Uh, many years ago. With 2 Bay Street, what's interesting is, like Steve said, this is not a done deal. They're in contract negotiations with the owner, Rose Chang. Um, but the hope is that for the Friends of Bay Street, that they would be able to buy that, raise that building, which in Sag Harbor is referred to as Fort Apache for a reason that I actually really need to investigate and know maybe Steve, you know, <laughs> but um, not, a, not a beloved structure by any stretch of the imagination. I can tell you what I just heard about that, but you go ahead and finish your thought there, George. Okay. Um, and the idea would be that then um, similar to what happened with Steinbeck Park, the Friends of Bay Street would sell that land to um, Southampton Town. They would sell it. So they would make some of their investment back, presumably. And then Southampton Town would give stewardship of that property to Sag Harbor Village to become a part of Steinbeck Park, really opening up that whole side of Sag Harbor that gateway or at least one of the gateways to Sag Harbor which is which is a really which is a really good deal if it goes through right I mean to you know I think it's also a good way to sort of grease the skids to get the village to be more open to what you want to do right a little bit of a quid pro quo right well so and this is actually one of the places where I think that um, you know, everybody is going to be kind of tiptoeing a little bit because, of course, Steinbeck Park exists in how it is today, in part because of whether the village will discuss it or not. Um, you know, basically, Jay Bialski wanted to build these condos and gave part of that park to the village of Sac Harbor and through a CPF deal. Um, a lot of people are not thrilled with the way the Bialski condos look. So, you know, I think that, you know, you want to be careful about using the words quid pro quo right. here, you know, right. because that, that, that kind of suggests a, a nefarious deal. But if you can consider that kind of a public benefit, I mean, the, the, the new deal, the Absolutely. two Main Street, as part of the public benefit to 100%. allow some exceptions to, to, the, uh, to the new theater building, I think that's probably um, above board. And, and, and whether you use the term quid pro quo, I think that's kind of how it works. There's a public benefit in exchange for, um, you know, for some leeway. And then they were talking about that with the height of the building, weren't they, Steve? That's a question way down the road, and that has to do with the zoning variance, uh, really. And they're um, still in the middle of working on like whether or not they're going to fight yeah. that episode. Right. And uh, you know, to what Bill's talking about, the, um, the, the peaks of these gables, uh, I, I don't know if both, but at least one of the peaks, the highest point of this building is going to be 39 feet high. And currently the village, I believe the height is 35 feet. The village wants to limit heights on that side of the waterfront, along the waterfront to 25 feet. They are willing to give people, you know, in this uh, preliminary plan, which has not even had a hearing yet, they are willing to give people, uh, developers 35 feet, provided there is a public benefit. But none, even there, you know, the, the, this building would require a variance. And I think you can't argue that if 2 West Water Street was purchased, and made public parkland, I don't think there would be a single person in Sag Harbor who wouldn't say that there's a public benefit there. 
that building has long been reviled. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I'll tell you the little tidbit that I heard. The reason they call it Fort Apache is that when it was being built, I think that they wanted it to be a two-story building, but the village gave them a hard time. So the developers built it exactly to code. It's a tiny piece of property and it's actually horseshoe shaped. And Mm -hmm. if you look, you can see from one end of a store right through, it's very, very narrow. And so I believe that the analogy to Fort Apache was that it almost looked like covered wagons circled because it's hollow in the middle and it's Uh. narrow. So Fort Apache being how you would circle the wagons when you're under attack. So that's what I heard. Yeah, and, and uh-huh. my only reference, I always think of Fort Apache, the Bronx, and I never could figure out why why that was. Right. So, but it's sort of interesting because you also have, you know, like I wouldn't say that the 7-Eleven complex is particularly attractive, but people, there's a lot of people who are really up in arms over the loss of the 7-Eleven, which of course is ultimately ironic because what, 35, 40 years ago, whatever, when 7-Eleven went in there, everybody screamed bloody murder about 7-Eleven moving in there. And now it's a beloved institution, which I find very interesting. So. Well, it's interesting. It is, I believe it's, it, it might be the second most profitable 7-Eleven in the United States. The Montauk 7-Eleven that everybody did not want there either has become the most profitable 7-Eleven in the United States, ironically. Um, so. <laughs> Southampton was also at one point the, the busiest. So, um, so yeah. Southampton, I think, was they sold more coffee than anybody else. I think that was Southampton's claim to fame. <laughs> Um, because you had the trade parade going by there every morning and, and every afternoon. I mean, it does bring up an interesting point, you know, like even though Bay Street Theater has been here for 30 years, there is a certain proponent component of the population who feels like Bay Street is not for them. It never has been. The 7-Eleven is for them. And this is not for them. And here they go, displacing all of the businesses in the 7-Eleven complex there. And then if they buy the property um, at Two Water Street, there go more you know, businesses for the common person. So I just, you know, I just wonder, have we heard many discussions about that and sort of that that backlash that that, you know, meanwhile, if you do change that property into a park, that's great. But then you have um, more businesses that are losing their their spaces. So presumably, if you if the Friends of Bay Street or whoever is the owner of these um, buildings, if they choose to displace those businesses and they have leases, then either they will need to move those businesses somewhere else, or they will need to buy out those leases. I mean, presumably that's the way it works. And it's interesting because as Steve was talking about earlier, the village of Sac Harbor is in the middle of a code revision on its waterfront. And part of that is um, looking at existing office districts that are on the edge of Main Street. Um, One, which is on Bridge and Rose Street, um, where offices are incentivized to move because after 2009, they were no longer allowed on first floor on Main Street in Sag Harbor in an effort to protect retail and restaurant uses there. Um, And so there is a conversation happening about opening up those very few parcels that are zoned for office districts to allow retail and restaurant space. The argument some village board members have made this week in Steve's reporting is, see, this is kind of why we're looking at this because we're going to be losing all of this retail space, you know, and now we could potentially open it up to more in these other spaces. But a lot of residents are really concerned 
if that's just going to open the door to massive development on the edge of Sag Harbor, already a very busy village. Mm -hmm. So what about, do we know, do we, are we talking yet about the, the Dodds and Eater building? I mean, all we know about the Dodds and Eater building at this point is that Adam Potter, the chairman of Friends of Bay Street, uh, uh, announced that he had personally purchased that building. There are the, the rumors, there, there are so many rumors. And, and if, if, if I could traffic in rumors, my job would be a lot easier because I could just say, let's just say the entire village is in play and leave it at that. Um, uh, and, and <laughs> but the, the Dodds and Eater building, um, Mr. Potter uh, said he, he's, he's in contract for that. And he wants to, he said he wants to, um, to, to put in a convenience store and it, um, he's sort of moving uh, um, and he's moving along at, 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 a, at a brisk pace and he's getting ahead of the village. I mean, so he, for instance, uh, he, he told me that, well, I you know, would like to put a, a, a convenience store in there because an early version of the code allowed a convenience store to go into the office district. And now they're revising that code to say that that may not be the case. So he feels like the village is, is, is moving the target, but in a sense, the village is moving the target because they haven't chosen what they really want to do yet. And in fairness to the village, they began this code revision long before Mr. Potter bought that property. So it's not like they're spot zoning. They talked about looking at all of these parcels and what made sense for Sac Harbor. Buyer beware. Did it strike anybody as kind of odd that Bay Street did tip their hand that the negotiation was happening for that to Water Street before it was a done deal? That struck me as a little bit you know, I don't know, when you're playing poker, you don't show your hand before it's time. Right. My assumption is that they probably have got an option on that property. Um, that is, you know, I mean, they, they probably are far enough along where they are, they can take their foot off first base and not get picked off. Uh, um, but I, I think they also, I mean, I think they're, they, they just ran up against a time wall and, uh, you know, the, the purchase of that building, I think, is the real is the is the is the real um, key part of the whole plan? Yeah, I think if that building is not included, I think it's back to the drawing board. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think that they had announced that they were going to do this public presentation. Um, obviously, when you look at the renderings, to us Water Street doesn't exist in those renderings, so. They were counting on that. And, you know, I think that one of the reasons they wanted to get this design out there is along with everything surrounding this development and connected developments, um, there's a lot of rumors, like Steve said, swirling and the village is in this little bit of a frenzy right now. And so I think getting the design out there was a way to say, look, like breathe. This is what we're thinking. This is what we're hoping to do with Two West Water Street you know, everybody take it in and, you know, we can all talk about what we think a little bit down the road. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com.
what do we all think about the design that they came up with? My initial take was favorable. Um, uh, and another thing that I met, for, neglected to mention earlier is in the in one of the, the renderings that showed sort of a bird's eye view looking west, and you could see these 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 gabled ends sort of rising up. <clears throat> they looked almost like sa a sailboat into the wind, and I thought that was sort of a cool cool effect. It seemed to um, it made it look lighter, but. I think the real key is what is it going to look like when you're standing on the street? And one of the things, you know, that that I noticed was one of the renderings would have was taken basically from the vantage point of the post office, except that there was no post office building there. And I wondered if maybe that's part of the Are they buying that too? Let's, yeah. Let's throw that into the let's throw that into the rumor mill oh, and see no. what comes back. <laughs> Well, the post office does have its own issues yeah. that need to be sorted out. Or maybe that'll be the new FedEx depot or the Amazon warehouse. Part of the things that, that I liked about this, the, the design, I, there's a, a sort of a, a, a plaza, which which leads out to the, um, uh, it leads out to the park. Um, the building also seems to, it kind of blocks the view of the condos. And, um, you know, I, I uh, one man's, you know, uh, Taste, you can't really judge taste, I guess, but um, the condos are, have been, have been um, controversial because they're, they're tall. And, and one of them in particular, one of the buildings is, is a glass building, which um, I, I think, you know, it, it can be a really cool idea for a design, but I, it, it just seems overwhelming on the Sag Harbor waterfront. And I've been joking that, you know, anyone who moves into one of those condos, it's anyone living, sitting in the park is going to be be able to watch a play unfold and you know on three different <laughs> levels of those condos. Eric Fischel, actually the artist from North Haven who we're all familiar with, he actually sent in a cartoon over the summer and he made the, like a drawing of the three condos and made them fish bowls like with fish swimming inside <laughs> of them. Um, and it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I can understand too why Bay Street needs to do that. This has been something they've, they've been trying to do forever. I mean, the, the theater is great, but it was never, you know, that space was originally not built to be a theater. So there's not much in the way of backstage spaces. They don't really have a space to do like educational programming. Um, so they're, and they're kind of limited just by the, the nature of that building. So um, I, I, it's kind of interesting because they've been looking, they've been looking at all sorts of properties. I think they were looking at that. Um, weren't they working at the Ag old Agway and Bridgehampton was under consideration yeah. for a while. Um, I think they even toyed with the idea of taking over the former Parish Art Museum on Job's Lane in Southampton Village until they realized how much money mm -hmm. that building right. would require. Yeah. And then they said, no, thank you. Um, they have always really wanted to be in Sag Harbor. So um, this certainly puts it right where they want it, right? And you know, when you talk about their needs, you have to go back to the height. And the reason from what Tracy Mitchell, the director of the theater, explained in that short video, the height is what it is, is because they need to be able to have the theater space that they've never been able to have on Longmore. Yeah, the fly space. Yeah, scenery and all the things they've never been able to do. I mean, when you look at the current Bay Street Theater, that brick wall that they have in the back, that's not a facade. That is the back wall of the it's theater. Yeah, right. I mean, it's literally. Mm. <laughs> so I have to say that there should be a shout out for Bay Street for what they have achieved in that very limited space. 
I mean, I've seen some pretty cool stuff there. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's always amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, and this may be able to raise their profile on an even larger level. I know that they're, you know, they've always had a goal of getting more work to Broadway and to other theaters and bigger cities and having that, um, the main stage, and then also maybe a smaller area where they can do their educational programming, but also smaller, maybe off season workshops and things like that, they could probably do a lot more work than they have been able to do. Um, and, and who knows, you know, with the way that the pandemic has played out, you may have a, a much larger year round audience than they used to have, you know, it used to be fairly dark at Bay Street in the off season, except for some weekends, they would do films and music and things like that. But the Atlas fireside sessions, I looked forward to it all year, right, the music, but they maybe they'll start, you know, they could start thinking about doing more real play production, um, if there's a audience out here for it. And looks like everything is changing. People are moving into our neighborhoods. So they're taking over. <laughs> they're also become eligible for grant funding and um, other fundraising resources that, you know, frankly, you know, people who are offering big money to theaters, they're not doing it right. if you don't have a permanent home because they don't have the security of knowing that their donation um, or, you know, whatever they're going to do for the theater is going to last. So it does, it, it would significantly raise the bar for what they would be able to do in terms of fundraising, which for a nonprofit theater is everything. And you know, what's coming after this, it's the housing for the actors. So <laughs> don't know where that's going to go, but that's always been a big problem as well. Cause I think that under, um, I think under uh, the, the um, uh, actors equity rules that, I've talked to them in the past about this, that they have to house actors a certain distance from the theater. They can't be more than X miles away and the actors have to have um, their own bathroom, you know? So it's, it's not as easy as saying, oh, you can take my third bedroom, you know, out in Montauk. You know, the actors have to be fairly close to the theater and they have to have certain amenities um, by union rules. So that's the other thing a lot of people forget about when you're dealing with actors' equity, there's a whole host of things and the way that the actors are treated and housed that could, um, could further this story, I'm guessing. But Yeah, I mean, I remember when over the years, Annette, you and I have talked to Tracy, you know, every year talking about how Bay Street needs support, we need a permanent home. And um, I believe the last time I spoke to her about that a few years ago, she was telling me they were spending something like half a million dollars a year wow. in housing, and then also in space for to build their sets. Because of course, they don't have any space where they are now to do any sort of set construction or, or store things. So just all of that extra space they needed just to do business, you know, came with a pretty hefty price tag. Well, you got a pretty big house, Steve, right? You're not that far. I mean, you're Bridgehampton. You're not that rent far. You could, to an actor. you could rent out a room or two. Just have to make sure they have their own bathroom yeah. and start doing some plumbing. They have their own bathroom. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a, and I have a firewall I can close off to, keep them out of my kitchen <laughs> there you go the starving actors yeah, they don't have to eat starving actor going through my refrigerator <laughs> at two in the morning <laughs> well there you go no i am um, the other shoe that's left at the you know the fall here drop is the what is what is the broader picture of because where there's rumors, there's usually some truth, and there's an awful lot of rumors going on that Friends of Bay Street is looking, or or you know, a related group. You remember the original name was Friends of Bay Street and Sag Harbor Redevelopment. The Sag Harbor Redevelopment has been conveniently dropped. Uh -huh. 
Um, so we, yeah, there's there's gonna there's a lot of changes coming. I mean, yeah, and I agree with Steve, and that's kind of I think there were some people after the seven minute video ended that were like, well, that was beautiful, and oh my gosh, to us water, but what about everything else? Because there is so much out there, and I think that Steve's right. You know, the broader discussion about what's connected, what's not connected. Um, you know, what this kind of future Sag Harbor looks like is going to be a really important conversation to have and having it piecemeal project by project is going to be challenging, especially at the pace that everything seems to be moving. This was one question actually I wanted to ask Steve because I feel like I read this and I just wanted to hear it from you. Did they say they were hoping to break ground next year? Next year, yep. I mean, so that's a very ambitious timeline. Very, very, very ambitious. But then again, um, I mean, I think if you talked to Cape Advisors, the developers behind the Boulevard Watch Case Factory, or even Catherine Creedon, the executive director of the John Germain Memorial Library, um, I mean, I think that those. I mean, Bulova was years before the boards, but even the re redevelopment of the library, I mean, that took a long time. And, you know, I would encourage Bay Street to understand that there is going to have to be a certain amount of patience when it comes to this process. So you're just, you're just telling me that this is not the last discussion we're going to have about this. Probably not. <laughs> we're going to be talking about this for years. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, kids, let's put on a show. <laughs> <laughs> 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts. 